Okay, well, hello and welcome to In the World, the podcast ministry of North Cincy Student Ministries. You find yourself in another devotional in the book of James. This time we will be in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And I'll go ahead and read that, and then I'll pray for us, and then we'll dive in. So let's start right now at James chapter 4, verse 1. James says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is not? It is to no purpose that Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And verse 11 says this, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not the doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one judge, one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are, are you to judge your neighbor? This is the word of the Lord from James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word to us. Thank you for um, this, these instructions on how to love well, how to, how to love you well, how to be faithful to you, how to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also, too, how to love one another well. As we face conflict, as we face judgmental spirit of our heart and from others, Father, thank you for this great word to us on how to love as those who have been loved. Pray that that would be the end, that you would help us to love well uh, from this short time uh, together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there was a time, I remember, you know, when my parents, when they would buy furniture I, I don't I never remember my mom or dad putting together furniture. Furniture came to your house, whether you went and picked it up or uh, whether it was delivered, I guess. If it was delivered, I don't remember furniture being delivered either, but oh well. But there was a time way back when when furniture came in one piece to your house when you wanted it. I feel like since I've been an, an adult, every piece of furniture that I've purchased has come in a box and I've had to assemble it myself. And here recently, I purchased a cube uh, bookshelf uh, bookcase for my daughter's room where you can put those little like cloth uh, holders in that, that hold all the toys anyway. And uh, I aspired. I wanted this for her so she could have it to put her toys in. And so it, it would make a room mess. So I searched the Internet and found something and purchased it. And it came. And sure enough. It was not assembled. It was in all the pieces and had a little instruction manual. So I sat down and, and you know, got all the pieces out. And 
that I, uh, you know, had the instruction manual. So therefore, I was able to to follow the step by step directions on how to put this thing together. And sure enough, my aspirations, my longings, my desire to have a bookshelf for my daughter was made real because of this this nice uh, uh, instruction manual. Uh, and, and now she enjoys her bookshelf and her toys and her room is nice and tidy when it needs to be. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the rest is history, I guess, as, as, as I say. But, but I tell you that, uh, that to, to draw out an illustration or, or an analogy, that when it comes, without, without that instruction manual, I would have no idea how to put that piece of furniture together. It was a very, very simple piece of furniture. It was like, it was like six pieces, and it was just four cubes. It was small. It didn't, barely got, goes above my knees. It was not a complicated piece of furniture. But still, in order for me to put that furniture together, in order for me to make this aspiration a reality, I had to have a instruction manual or I would be lost. And when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to longing to live a life of love, a life that, that, that loves God well, a life that loves one another well, we need instruction. It's not enough just to, to, to take what we know about the world at large and about ourselves and try to figure it out on our own. Just like I could not figure out how to put together a simple bookshelf, we cannot figure out how to love without instruction. It's essential. Even if we have the desire, even if our heart of hearts longs to love well, we still need instruction on how to love God. Even if our heart's desire is to love our neighbor well, we really want to treat people well. And because we have been, we have been saved, we have been called to Jesus, and we, re we recognize the bankruptcy of our sin, even if those things are true of us, it's not enough. We need the word. We need instruction from God on how to love well. And when we come to all of Scripture, there is always instruction. But here specifically in James 4, James is giving us instruction on how to love God and how to love our neighbors well. But it doesn't come to us as a how-to like an instruction booklet, right? With step one, step two, step three, step four. It actually comes to us in the negative. It comes to us as, as, as a warning. It comes to us by confronting ways that we do not love well. It confronts our, our, the way that we, that we engage in conflict and, and, and face conflict with one another. Conflict that, that destroys one another, not builds one another up. It, 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 it teaches us, it, it confronts our idolatrous hearts um, or, or as he talks about here, our, um, our, 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 our bend to engage in spiritual idolatry and spiritual, um, yeah, that we, we have, we, we, we serve more than one master. Um, we, we are, we have our heights, our hearts are idol factories. So it's, he's telling us how to, to resist a, an idolatrous heart that distracts us from loving God well and, and and also he teaches us about about how to say no and how to reject a judgmental heart that that disunifies he teaches us how to love by confronting us and addressing us on ways that we don't love it's not a how-to book this or not a how-to manual it's a what not to do manual and as those who have been purchased by the blood of Christ, who have trusted in Christ, who ha whose hearts are being reworked from the inside out, who have more than just an, an affirmation of faith, right? 
that they don't just confirm, like as we talked about last week, you know, even the demons believe and they shudder, right? They have, an, they have a faith that affirms that it doesn't change them. When we have a faith that changes us, right, that, that, that's a distinction between a mere profession of faith and an actual possession of faith, James is telling us that we will face conflict with one another that destroys us. It tells us that we will resist idolatry and temptation that distracts us from, from God, the faithful husband. And we can, we can die to our judgmental hearts that disunifies us from one another. We are empowered by God's Spirit through His Word to live these types of lives. lives. So let's dive back in and let's look at how, how this, this Word to us that teaches us how to love well empowers us to face conflict with one another and not just conflict in general right there's 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 good conflict there is conflict that 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 saves there is conflict that that builds there is conflict that 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 binds us together but there's also conflict that we engage in that can destroy so let's look at this uh, verse one says this what causes quarrels what causes fights among you is this not that your passions are at war within you? See, James is he's here in verse 1 establishing a reality that we all will face conflict. There, there are some of us who actually love conflict um, and, and, and read this and like, oh, yeah, yeah, I face conflict all the time. And there's some of us that will do everything in our power to avoid conflict. What James is saying here is that as we live in relationship with people, conflict will happen. Even our closest best friends, they will make us mad. Even if, you know... Um, our parents who we love, our siblings who we love, we will have conflict because we are two people who are fallen, who are engaging in relationship. And as we do that, we will have quarrels and fights. And then it says this, is it not this that your passions are at war within you? It's saying here that, that what's going on in conflict is that we have, we have misplaced passions, is that we seek to glorify self above serve others or whatever it may be, is that, that oftentimes the, the conflict that we engage in is, is, isn't just because somebody has wronged us or treated us wrongly, but it's because there's something going on within. There is, there is a misplaced passion. There is, there, is, there is a war within that causes conflict outside of us. And in verse 2 it says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. Well, well wait a minute. How does James go from, from engaging in conflict to murder? Well, he, he probably remembers what Jesus taught. And maybe many of you are familiar with this, but when Jesus taught about the kingdom, he taught about what it means to follow God. He, he, he expounded on the law. He, he mentioned that, that, that to, to hate one another, to um, engage in conflict like this in this way that destroys is, is to murder, right? He says, if you, if, you, you know, if you hate one another, you murder them. You know, when I was listening to, the, to a, uh, a sermon on this passage, it talked about um, uh, Nazi Germany, right? And, and Nazi Germany, they, 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 there's the tragedy that millions of Jews were killed. And it didn't start with just, let's go kill a bunch of Jews, but it began with them making them second-class citizens. It began with, with, with attacking their, their who they were and making, them, making uh, people think that they were less than human, right? So we, when we engage in conflict, right, when we, when, we, when we want something that somebody has, right, we desire something that they have and we murder them, it doesn't mean that we actually have to go and kill them. You know, it does happen. And, but really what that means is that we kill their reputation. We, 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 we make them seem to others like they're less than human, right? And we're doing that not because of they are or because they've, they've done something to us, but because we, we, they, they have something that we want. You desire, you don't have, so you murder. You covet and it can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel, right? That's this misplaced passion. To covet something is to see something 
and want it that somebody else has. And it's not enough just to take it, but you've got to destroy their character and obtain it so that they that you can always have it and they can you'll never get it back. And it says you do not have because you don't ask. What's this going about, right? It's talking about the discontent heart, the heart that that covets other people's things. And it says you don't have because you don't ask. You don't ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly and spend it on your passions. It's saying here that a heart that prays is a heart at peace. So a heart that, that doesn't look to God, the sustainer of all things, the good giver of good gifts, as, it, as James mentioned earlier, that every good and perfect gift is from above. When we, when we want what other people has, it's, it's a theological problem. We say we think that God is not taking care of us or doesn't have our best interests in mind. We have to take from other people because we think that God hasn't given us what we deserve. Right? There's a sense of entitlement that kills us and kills others, and that creates conflict that destroys and not builds up. You know, about a number of years ago, there was um, that, um, uh, a major scandal in the Olympic ice skating world. And, and you know, in America, there, there are Olympic ice skaters and gymnasts are kind of like, are almost like princesses. You know, they're, they're um, uh, you know, people who love the Olympics love those, those, those two, two events. So when there was this major conflict within the um, the ice skating world, it, it really rocked everybody. And there was one ice skater, uh, it was, they were a team, there was two people, and one was the better ice skater, and it was like a classic uh, Cain and Abel story meets ice skating. So one was the better ice skater, and and the other one was, was the one who was in the shadows, right, that she would always be number two. So she hired somebody to go and break the leg of of the main ice skater so that she could have... Uh, she could be on top and be seen and be loved. So what you have here is that it wasn't enough just for for the one ice skater to work hard, but she wanted what the other person had, right? And she 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 didn't just want to take it, but she wanted to destroy the other person so that she could not just take, but also so that she could be on top or and be the most, you know, um, most loved person or whatever you want to you want to call it. So, 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 so when it comes to conflict, you know, we cannot escape conflict. We cannot escape relational conflict. And so much of our conflict doesn't just come from the outside, but it comes from misplaced love, misplaced loves and passions from within. And we want to glorify ourselves. We want ourselves to look great to the, to the watching world. And we will destroy anybody else so that we can get this. And we cannot escape relational conflict. That's the heart of sin. We're curved in on ourselves. And, and I know that some of us wish that weren't true, and some of us hate conflict, like I said earlier, and 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 we try to avoid it as much as possible. <coughs> Excuse me. However, it is absolutely impossible to avoid conflict. We will all have to face relational conflict at some point. James knows this and is encouraging us to come to terms with this, especially when we find ourselves in the church and we find conflict in the church, which is a community of people, right? We don't make up, we don't choose our brothers and sisters in Christ. God saves them, right? And we have who we have, not by our own choosing. And because of that, conflict is inevitable. Even in the best friendships and in the best relationships, conflict will come up. If people are engaging with one another in a substantive way and conflict never happens, then they're probably not engaging with each other in a meaningful way. When we are in a relationship with another person, it is always two centers who are coming together. And when two centers come together, conflict is inevitable. However, this reality should not distress um, or discourage us. For God uses our conflicts to create in us a greater love for him and a greater love for others. 
Relational conflict are always opportunities for personal growth, and therefore conflict can actually be a positive thing that helps us navigate us and navigate this life. You know, like I mentioned, you know, conflict teaches us about where our where our loyalties lie. It teaches us about where our faith is, and it, and, it, and it gives us a gauge to check where where what we believe about who God is and what He has given us. Right? It, it, it's an invitation for greater faith. Conflict helps us. It challenges do we whether or not we really love people. Do we do we love people or do we love ourselves more? Right? It's a great it's a great gauge, kind of like my car. Right? It has an empty and full. Right? When it gets to empty, I need to fill it up with gas. In the same way, when we're engaging in relational conflict, when there is relational disunity amongst us, God's given us this sense of of how do we deal with the conflict at hand that creates in us a better love for others and love for God. And as we continue, it's not just, uh, you know, to love well means to face conflict, but also to, to face idolatry. Look with me in verse four, you adulterous people, do you not know that, that, that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, 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 James is helping us remember that, that one cannot serve two masters. You cannot not be in the world and in relationship with God, so to speak, right? You have to be you, you, you cannot be married to two spouses. And that's why he says you adulterous people, right? God is the faithful husband and, and we are the unfaithful spouse. We cannot have multiple husbands, right? God is, James is calling us as God's people back to the faithful husband and to live a life that's devoted to him. We cannot be devoted to both God and something else. God, the pursuit of self, God or another religion, God or some, some you know, something that's that doesn't... Um, some ethic, right, that, that or something secular from the secular world that conflicts our relationship with God, that you cannot serve two masters. Then it says, or you suppose it is no purpose to us that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. That's just that's just saying it's it's James teaching us in some strange language, but he's reminding us that God is the faithful husband. He is jealous for our loves. He knows that when we give ourselves to things of this world that are that are not him, that they will destroy us. And he is jealous for our love because he's jealous for our good and he loves us and cares for us. So that's the problem that he's getting at, that we have double-minded or double, we, we want to stand on two foundations. Uh, but verse 6, it gives us the answer, the solution is that grace, God gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we humble ourselves and we recognize our sin, we recognize our double-mindedness, we recognize our inability to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he doesn't just dismiss us, but rather he, he, he shows us, he pursues us, and shows us grace, and his grace wins us back. And because of that, it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Trust in God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That's that's language of, of the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The same thing is true here. What James is trying to teach us is that blessed are those who who are bankrupt, who who recognize that that they that their pursuit of the world has left them dry, has left them dead, so to speak, has left them um, hurt, destru- destroyed. But that's where that's where God meets us, and where God longs to rescue us, and 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 give Himself and sh- and prove to us 
that we that he is the faithful husband who longs to bring us home. And then in verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That the way up is the way down, the way down is the way up. We humble ourselves, we, we submit to the Lord, we look to him, we look to his grace to save us. He will exalt us uh, because of his grace to us. And then lastly, we see that uh, we can, um, you know, we can love well by dying to our, this, this, this judgmental heart that disunifies us. Uh, from one another. So in verse 11 says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not the doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbors? You know, all of us um, have this judgmental spirit. And it's not judgmental as in like, you know, it's not saying, you know, a, a lot of people like they 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 kind of get on Christians. And they say things like, you know, judge not lest you be judged, which means that that no Christians can make, you know, um, thoughtful observations about the world that they live in because it's judgmentalism. That's not what that's not what the Bible speaks about when it speaks about judge. We are we are allowed to make uh, to, to, to make observations based upon the world that we live in. And we are allowed to make observations from what's true and what isn't. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about here is a judgmentalism. Right. This idea of 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 blocking people out because they don't look the way that we look, see the way that we see, live the way that we live. It's using uh, truth and bending it in such a way that doesn't love people, but actually that rejects people. And, and uh, you know, Christians committed to the truth will be those compassionate with the truth and who will use truth to build others up and warn them against the harm they are creating towards others and themselves. And this confronts our culture of being easily offended by everything. And this is Christians. As Christians, we can be offended by so much. But we often forget that, that, that God gives grace before the law. And when people who aren't in the church or aren't Christians or even that mature in Christ don't think the way that, that, that those who may be walking with Jesus for longer, right? We tend to be judgmental and, 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 be, uh, and set up walls instead of being curious and being compassionate. Right. This this confronts our culture of always being offended by everything. It actually gives us gives us a, a, a an understanding that the world is sinful and that and that nothing new is under the sun and that and that nothing should surprise us in the fallen world that we live in. It goes against our culture of calling people out based upon fragment pieces of information. We should be people who seek the truth, not just to use fragmented information to cultivate narratives to to tear people down and make people seem less than human or whatever it may be as well as our culture of canceling people because they're different than we are, right? When you look at so much of the world that we live in, man, we live in a cancel culture. I'm sure you all have talked about this, but, but that's true in the church too. We, we, we want to ask people questions. We want, to know, we want to navigate where they are and what they're at and how they think because if they don't think like us, then we can cancel them out and move on to the next person, right? That's, that's, that's judgmentalism that destroys. And it not just destroys our relationship with people, but it destroys our relationship with ourselves. It eats us from the inside out. We're always offended. We're always canceling. We're always seeing how we don't fit in and how others are different. That's not, that's not flourishing. That's not a flourishing life that loves God and loves others. That's a life that's, that's, that's fragmented and a life that's focused on self and that thinks that, that your opinions, your way of doing things, your judgments are God's judgments. And that's, that's, what, that's what James is talking about here. Do, do not think... 
that there is one judge, and that is not you. That is not me. God is judge. Okay, sorry. There were some technical difficulties that that disconnected me. So I'm we're gonna j- jump back in on what I was saying. But but just with when it comes to this this culture of canceling people, of judging people, this judgmentalism, there's no room for it within within when it comes to love. Again, love makes true observations. But love is not this judgmental spirit that cancels people, but rather it's a judgmental heart that loves people by by being curious. Uh, I was watching a show recently, and they quoted a Walt. I think it's Walt Whitman. I could be getting the, I could be getting the name wrong. That sounds right, but but I love it. It says it says be curious, not judgmental. So if you want to be somebody who embodies James, particularly verses eleven through twelve, who 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 really does trust that that God is the judge. And that we are people, and in light of that, who not are called to judge others as far as in such a way that cancels them or, or says that they're in or out, but this makes true true observations about how they live and 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 what their and how their habits and their and their thoughts may be bringing about destruction to them and others. When you do that from a heart of love, you're not judgmental, but you're curious. You know, judgmentalism shuts us down, and it, it actually says more about us than it does about about the people that we judge. It says more about our fears. It says more about our failures. It says more about what we're scared about and what we're scared of doing. It, it says less about uh, who the people are that we we are so-called judging, right? So my, my encouragement to you is as we seek to be people of love, who, who are loved by God, who who um, who are seeking to love others, right? It's the 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 James is telling us not to be judgmental. That leads to to the disuni- disunity, right? That not to judge our neighbors in such a way that 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 makes them feel um, like they're canceled, or that's offended by everything that everybody does. But rather, it's curious that that they have a story that they've experienced wounds that have, that have influenced how they live their life. That that there's there are certain things that they've learned along the way that makes them live the way that they live, and how God and God's love for them changes them and meets them in a particular way. So, so God is calling us to be a people who are curious, who genuinely love people well. By understanding them and longing to see um, and know them, not just take fragmented pieces of information and project our own um, our own stories, our own realities on them, but to really genuinely love people well. So there you have it. So how are we to love well? Well, James gives us um, uh, not necessarily a how-to here in verses one through twelve, but he gives us a what not to do to 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 be people who engage in conflict that destroys one another idolatry that distracts us from from our faithful husband and a judgmentalism that disunifies us right we we can be a people who face conflict because we realize that that conflict is inevitable and that god uses it to teach us about who he is and and how we fail to love him and love others well we can resist idolatry god gives us the strength that we don't have to to be um continue the sin of our first parents where we um, give Satan a foothold, as it says there, that we we can resist the devil. We that he will that we can submit ourselves to God because of His grace and love for us. And we can die to this judgmentalism, this this judgmental heart that says more about us than the people that we judge. It says more about our fears, and our failures, and our insecurities, and our shame that disunifies and 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 fragments us from people. We can we can now live a life of curiosity that seeks to use information to, to build one another up, not to destroy. So, so may, may we be a people who do this. And let me pray for us and we'll be done. Father, thank you for this word to us.
thank you for James. And yeah, just the, the what not to do uh, when it comes to loving well. And I do pray that, that, there, that from this, that we'd all have something to take with us on what it means and how we can aspire to love you better and love others well. In Jesus' name, amen.